Ska oh, in defense of ska. Yeah. Right. We got to get on that somehow. It's, it feels, it is, feels like twenty twenty three is going to be a pretty ska centered uh, time for us. Uh, yeah. yeah. So we'll use this as a springboard, and we'll see if we can drum up more attention for the podcast because ooh, all eight of our adoring fans are. Uh, I don't know if they're going to get <laughs> us on that show. I know it's like. Uh, you know how sometimes people will like bombard like I don't know a Joe Rogan type or his producer Young Jamie's like oh you got to get so and so on this podcast and it's like oh the fans have spoken so and so is on the podcast versus like it's like they those defensive ska guys would be like who are these eight people that keep bothering hey, us you know what in the ska community that's a big noise <laughs> uh, um what's it called. Yes, so this is the Canada FM podcast with Teddy yeah. Brian Hell. Brian Hell. Doesn't have the same ring to it. No. Uh, oh, there it is. That acid reflux a little bit. <clears throat> Thankfully, it's just been water, so it's not burning when it comes up. God, you sound like such an old I'm man. I'm falling apart. <laughs> I really am. It was horrible. Oh. You have to sit with like ten, you have to sleep with like ten pillows too. Oh, because you'll Why? you'll choke on your acid reflux and it'll wake you up in the night. It's horrible. It's happened to me before. Ugh. You have to disgusting. stay elevated. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, I don't think aside from there's been times where I've had trouble like swallowing yeah. a pill where it feels like it's stuck in the back of my throat. That's the closest I think uh, I've had that acid reflux. Though the last time it was this bad was actually the night Freddie was born. I think I mentioned it on the Freddie episode. I got this bottle of Maker's Mark that I didn't touch. I was gonna save it, have a drink after when he was when the night he was born. So I made myself a little drink, threw it back, and it was just immediate. So I wasn't used to drinking. I hadn't drank in a while. <laughs> yeah, that was rough. Well, I mean, while you're being a square over there, I got a six pack, and I'm, I'm like Fred Sanford. I'm not drinking. <laughs> and I bought all kinds of beer. I was going to have a beer fest this weekend because of the NFL playoffs, but. Yeah, yeah. your loser Packers fell flat to the, t- the the Lions, of all people. Well, that's easy for you to say. Yeah, your Cowboys made it, but your Broncos didn't. They got two teams. Yeah, you know what you wear a Cleveland Browns shirt? They didn't make it. I told this is the one I bought when my, my dad and I went and saw that horrible three nothing. You got like four game Browns from, like, shirts. 10, ten years ago. Uh, you got the one with that one. elf man on it. Oh, that t shirt? I don't know where that is. 
when I lost that first bit of weight, I, I uh, put away a lot of my, my fat shirts, as yeah. I like to call them. And uh, I got to find those fat shirts. <laughs> I put it, on. it is sad. Hey, I'm in the same boat as you. Now, I've got jerseys of every size. So I can still rock my jerseys. Just certain ones I can only rock when I'm a certain weight. Were you, Rachel Ray? I heard that yeah. she bought the same clothes in three yeah. different Yeah, you know what? She's smart. <laughs> if you're... She's if annoying. You go, I, hey, she might be annoying, all right? But someone that annoying has been on TV for so long. There's a reason for that. They're smart. Apparently, she's a jerk. No, it's because she's they... She's a jerk, too, apparently. They know. I read this article, but, uh, like, uh, it was a Reddit post about uh, fan interactions. And this guy was a security guard at a mall that she was doing a signing at. And it was just her and him in the back. And she's looking at her phone. And he, he doesn't, he's not like a huge fan, but he knows who she is. So he just decides to make small talk. He's like, ah, so how's your day going? And she just looks at her phone. She doesn't look up. She goes, don't talk to me. That was it. Jesus. And I was like, what a jerk. What a <laughs> But, uh, just, No, it's just people like that who are renowned jerks, you know, just like Ellen, know how to play down to Susie Homemaker and Joe Sixpack. A lot of dancing. Yeah. Too much dancing. Yeah, dancing. Hey, There's too people much dancing are suckers for dancing. I'll tell you who I'm a sucker for. Dancing. Did you Ted. see my? Uh, I changed my name to Ted Dancing <laughs> on the uh, the screen here and what we're recording. I was thinking I can oh, really yeah. put in a weird celebrity just to throw you off, but like, yeah, you know what? The Ted. There's nothing like the Ted Dancing machine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, before we kick off the 2023 in ska style, uh, Teddy and I have a tendency to get very distracted. Mm -hmm. And in our uh, New Year's in memoriam section, uh, we've completely forgot to pay respect to Terry Hall. Yeah. And we we never circled back. I think we were also also drinking when we did that episode, weren't we? Oh, I was drinking. I was, it was minus 15. I was freezing my ass off. I was all like, I was sucking back stoky smoke. And I was, I was like, in my head was, to quote Nick, Nick Hexham, I got head, head rush. rush. Yeah. No, that was, uh, you know, what? No, so I was all we were very, very fortunate to, uh, to see the specials uh, when we did, yeah. you know, because their drummer also passed away. And we, he was there with them. Uh, when we saw them in Toronto yeah. at the, uh, the sound, no, it wasn't sound Academy. It was cool house. No, you had it right. It was, uh, oh, it was, it was cool, cool house. house. Yeah, but I think they changed Cool House's Shit, name. That's how long ago it was. What's Cool House called now? Uh, no, Cool House is gone. Um, Sound Academy is now Rebel. Okay. And Cool House, I think, just got leveled because it used to be called yeah. The Government, then Cool House. And then, uh, I think now, I think it's now home to. Stupid hipsters and lost. Yeah, I remember the government because that's oh, where yeah, uh, DJ Martin Streak used to broadcast live for the government. Yeah, Friday night. It's funny you mentioned him because he had a big impact on our guest. But we'll oh, get to cool. That in a okay. Yeah. But uh, um, yeah, when we saw them at we saw them at Cool House and uh, the Little Hurricane was that what they're called? The Little Hurricane. It was like a blues yeah. rock band, just a guy and a girl. The girl's the drummer. And she's really hot, and the guy played guitar and sang, and they were they were great, great opening act. And uh, then the specials came on. Oh, my God, did we have fun. I was soaking wet. Didn't go in the mosh pit at all. We wore white shirts, black ties. 
horrible. Ah, I was fine. And we were dancing the whole time. <laughs> and I bought that specials golf shirt. I actually ended up having to get rid of it because like all the buttons broke. Like they didn't fly off so I could just re-sew them. Like they broke so like they wouldn't stay in the buttonhole. So I actually think it's the buttonhole that broke. Yeah, I think I was gonna say you shouldn't you shouldn't have gotten rid of that golf shirt because those can be fixed. If nothing else, you know, you just leave the collar wide open like a wild It's okay. I like I'll I'll, I'll be alright. I had to get rid of a whole bunch of band shirts. And that was one of them. See that's stupid. You should have uh, saved those either for your for young Freddy when he's older. It's like, oh, dad wasn't such a but squid. But I think they were taking up or, too much uh, space. It's called a tote bin, Ted. You fold them up, you put them in a tote bin, you keep them in a closet. It's uh, not... Anyway! Uh, but no, I, I just remember that being a blast, that show, and what a big impact. You know, there was that period of time, I guess, when I was in my late 20s, that... Uh, you know, we all kind of get influenced. Like, there's a period of my life where I thought everything Quentin Tarantino did was cool. So I wanted to listen to every song that was in one of his movies, just watch his movies, act like him, act like the characters in his movies, shit like that. You know, I just thought it was the epiphany of cool. Well, in my late 20s, I thought the two-tone ska and uh, some of the adjacent bands like The Clash and The Jam were the coolest thing in the world. And I just wanted to get in a time machine and go to 70s England. So, yeah, that's when I was wearing yeah. ties a lot more. And uh, just kind of listening to a lot more late 70s, early 80s music. And, uh, you know, right. Terry Hall has a lot to do with that. So, rest in peace. Well, the uh, well, first of all, the I wore suits and ties to school. And people thought I was an athlete on the school team. And then other people thought I was trying to imitate Avril Lavigne. And that's why I hate most of the people from my high school. <laughs> But no, the the Boston's who I was trying to emulate because I didn't fully know the specials yet. I yeah. knew them because of that Scott tracks so, because they had message to you, Rudy. Um, but you know the Boston's were influenced by the specials, so I, I didn't even realize it. But I was paying homage to them, and you know that show pretty much epitomizes what the specials were all about because by the end of the night. We were arm in arm with complete yeah. strangers, sweating on each other, showing love. Didn't matter who you were, where you were from, as long as you loved me. <laughs> you get that reference? But uh, no, it's just they, you know, the specials came out of the worst conditions. You know, 70s England, very racist, mm -hmm. very poor, anti-government. There was just so little to be optimistic about. And they channeled that frustration into something so wonderful that was very forward thinking because, you know, actually I read Jerry Dammers when he was younger got into the skinhead movement. <laughs> so he did a completely <laughs> over You got to remember there's, there's difference. You know, skinheads I, yeah. at the time were not Nazi skinheads. Like the original skinheads yeah. were very much anti-racist. They were black skinheads. Like that's, that was right. part of the deal. Um, it was it, it somehow got into the prison system is, that, is, is when they started taking on uh, white power, white nationalist um, ideologies. It was something it was in the, front in England. The national front. front. And that's what in, right. in Concrete yeah. Jungle, he says, we're being chased by the national front. And then when they do it live, it goes, being chased right. by the national cunt. <laughs> 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 
but yeah, so there's a difference. So they would be called boneheads. Nazi skinheads would be called boneheads. Right. And that's why uh, the Fishbone has a song. We're going to chase them crazy boneheads out of this town. Boneheads, bald heads, th- that kind of thing. <laughs> but then when they got to California, um, you know, that's not England. They didn't seem to know yeah. shit about ska. Eventually they would. Uh, so they were called skinheads. And the because of shows like Donahue and Geraldo Rivera always interviewing Nazis, uh, that terminology uh, became more popular for them than uh, Bonehead or any of the names that the original skinheads would call Nazi skinheads. Yes. Right. So there's the long, there's um, the long and short of it. But regardless, the specials, you know, they've reflected what England was like. You know, it was a tapestry of different races. And instead of fighting each other or, you know, saying, you're not from here, get the fuck back to where you came from. They accepted people. And, you know, that's what they built their whole, I hate this expression because it's so annoying, but they built their whole brand. And that's what they stood for was uh, this togetherness. Mm. And um, and then I'll close on this just because it has to go down. It's one of the best performances on SNL, if not in the top Mm. ten. When they played Gangsters. And, and, you know, I played, we put it on our Instagram, but just that, they were like 22, 23 when they did that and just smash it into each other, flipping mic stands, Roddy Radiation was all over the place. Yeah. Uh, you didn't know where Neville Staples was going to end up. Roddy Radiation. I was a guitar player. Guitar yeah. player. Yeah. He was running back Should and forth. Say, I was thinking Roddy place. Radiation. I'm getting a mixed up. I thought he was an English beat. Okay. Unless he played with them for a hot minute, but no, he was the he was in the yeah, specials. Okay. He was the kind of lead guitar player. But regardless, that performance there just bouncing all over the place, and then to just uh, maybe it was different SNL in the '80s where you didn't just stand there and take a bow, but or maybe it was the specials being the epitome of cool, where they just like leapt off the stage and just ran into the crowd, <laughs> I love not giving a shit. I love that they just ran off and went right through the crowd. You know they refused the limo. Really? Yeah, they sent the limo and uh, 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 Jerry Jerry Dammers said no. That's yeah. cool. I mean, they all crammed in like in Ghost Town. <laughs> they refused the limo. Uh, what was a couple a couple of quick factoids though? Quickly before we move on, uh, sure. Bill Burr's story about the specials. Well, what was annoying was he kept calling them the Smiths, uh, and so but he he saw them live, and he said he got to meet Terry Hall. And Terry Hall went, oh, yeah, I know you. And he goes, you know what? You say cunt better than most Americans. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, ah, that was the ultimate compliment. <laughs> and then uh, actually on the podcast in defense of Scott this week, they interview um, the guy who plays Kropke on Big Bang Theory. Oh, Kropke. Kropke, yeah. Because yeah. I guess he's a big, a big Scott guy. And uh, oh, he cool. did a TV show. I forget what it was called for ABC, where uh, Minnie Driver played his wife, and I guess there was a line in it where like someone's listening to Scott, and she's like, ah, "I hate Scott," is what her character is supposed to say, and she said to the writers, "Look, I'm in my 40s, I am from England. There's no way in hell you're gonna get me to say I hate Scott on camera," <laughs> and so they had wow. to rework it. So she said, "I hate 90s Scott." Because they're like, you, you, you would make sense though if you didn't like third wave Scott, because a lot of people like Tito don't like third wave. This is all just shit. But he said like they inter- 
they had to call all the writers back from lunch. And, like, it took, like, an hour and a half to rework the script because she's like, I will not say I hate Scott. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've heard plenty of jokes about Scott. Like, uh, I was watching that show, The Goldbergs. Yeah. And uh, the eldest son, or I guess he's the middle child, Barry, he develops this crush who on this girl who is always hanging out under the bleachers. You know, she's one of those people. Yeah. And Tim Meadows is the guidance counselor. He's like... He can't go out with her. He's always hanging out with those. She's always hanging out with those ska kids. <laughs> See, that's funny. I like stuff like that. It was like uh, they did an episode of Parks and Rec where they were trying to find. What were, I forget. They were trying to find, um, like a new office or something like that. And they went to this place and it was like it, it looked like Chernobyl, basically. Like it, it looked awful. And uh, Rashida Jones's character, she goes, "This looks like a place a ska band would come to shoot heroin." <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> Any reference to Scott is a good reference. Oh, I always yeah. like. Sometimes, like I remember uh, when the Simpsons, because I always used to have hockey at night on Sundays, yeah. so I always had to tape uh, new Simpsons episodes, and I uh, I had to rewind it like twice in the one episode where Flanders starts dating that girl yeah. who's the singer. He's like, we just lost our drummer to a Pentecostal ska band. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, did they just say ska? Huh? I think that must have been the first time I had heard it outside of our little like world. I know, same. That's why I've around it so many times. The, the one time I did that was when I borrowed my sister's Workaholics DVD. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I fell asleep. And it was where he comes in wearing the fedora. And I could hear him. I like. I, I. I. hear him say, "I feel like I'm in a ska band right now. Like I'm in real big fish." And it woke me up. I'm like, he did not just mention real big fish. <laughs> and I had to go and rewind it. I think I rewinded it twice just to make sure he said real big fish. <laughs> and then apparently there was like a YouTube video for a while. It was like nine hours of Adam Devine saying real big fish. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing about that is it almost like. It's it just felt like because of his weird hammy pause where it's just like somebody give me a line give me a band somebody just feed me something yeah. like, uh, real big fish it's like you didn't actually know yeah they might have just googled ska band real big fish so that sounds like a funny name <laughs> <laughs> hey speaking yeah, of it's not quite ska but I would call them uh, I put them in the ska adjacent uh, category well, hold on I, I have one last funny story All about right, ska. Fine. So just the other night, uh, this girl I dated last year, Chantel, we're still friends. We're still on good terms. Mm. She te she texted me high out of her mind on something. And I was like, you need to put on a fish record and just chill out. And she's like, fish. Oh, yeah, it's that ska band. You're like, I'm like, no, that's real big fish. I'm talking about fish, the jam band. Fish. I'd like send her a link. Oh, uh, yeah. I made that mistake, too. And Brandon was like, uh, oh, my brother's really into Dave Matthews band. He also likes this other band, Fish. I'm like. It's real big fish, Brandon. No, nah, it's got a pH in there. No, it's real big fish. Yeah, but it was fish. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, um, but yes, uh, the specials. If they were to shoot a hundred rockets or like in a time capsule, and then they're like touch down to Earth when a new civilization was founded in several thousand years, yeah. the specials records will be in that rocket well, carryall. It uh, you will gonna be land in England though, and then cycle itself. <laughs> Yeah. But it's going to be a new civilization anyway, so I won't even be called England. He's uh, crapping all over my sentimentalities. Anyway, Sorry. Terry Hall, you will be missed. We loved you. You were a hell of an entertainer. <laughs> you got me thinking about a new civilization. 
And I'm like, are they going to have to go through all these hardships in order to have good music? Like, think about it. They won't get any of the references. Yeah, you mean the government was evil and actually put people through horrible things? What's racism? <laughs> we all have three heads. Yeah, exactly. We're all gray-skinned, three-headed freaks. Well, we're talking about the salads. Not the specials, but the salads today. The pride of Newmarket, Ontario. Of course, they're, we've mentioned them before. Their drummer, Grant, uh, taught our buddy Dan from Serial Joe how to play drums. So that's always been chief on our mind. Second band from Newmarket we've covered. And uh, I remember the first time I ever saw the salads. Ted, you're completely stepping all over my freaking script here. I am? Yes. All right. I just wanted to give a little bit of an intro. Then I was just going to go and take it away. Fine. Go ahead. Go ahead. This is usually how we do it when you're, uh, when I've written the script, you usually do the intro off the cuff and then we, we roll, right? All right. That's fair. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, All right. Well, the first time I'd, now is this in your script where we talk about the first time we'd we'd seen them? Uh, Let's see. Because then I won't mention it. Actually, no. I think I was just going to try to find a, nat- a natural stopping point to cram it in there, so you might as well start. All right. Well, the first time I heard them, obviously, was like, I think it was Edge 102, and it was Get Loose. And I was like, oh, this is a cool song. You know what I mean? I, I It was upbeat. It was fun. But I that was the extent of it, right? I was like, it's upbeat. It's fun. I like it. I dig it. I hope to hear more from these guys. Then we went to the Warp Tour. And they were on a weird side stage. Like, this side stage was almost, like, outside of the main... You know how, like, when you were at Molson Park, there was, like, the main park that had the two stages, the merchandise booths, and then in behind, like, they had some of the side stage. This side stage was, like, up on that path that leads you into that main area. It was in a weird spot. But... Weird. You trying to think of it? I just said... No, like, yeah, I'm trying to picture because it, it was so long yeah. ago. But like, because in in my research, I did see that they played a warp tour or two. But I'm just like, uh, I'm like, would I have seen them or like, would I did I miss the side stages? You were so you were at remember. that warp tour. I remember watching them by myself. I don't know if you were also there watching them. I remember by, being by myself though, uh, because like yeah. I said, it was in a weird spot. It was like, like if you were walking back to the parking lot, that's where the side stage was. And it was, but it was a good sized crowd. It wasn't huge. It was just good size, like for a side stage band. And uh, Libido's up there dancing his ass off. And uh, actually, it's Libido. Is it Libido? Yeah. So uh, I'll I'll reference this later. But because you know, with a, with a lot of our Canadian bands, uh, some of the research can be spotty. Mm. So uh, just by happenstance, I was googling. Uh, I was literally Googling anyone I could in the band. I was Googling like Chuck. Yeah. I was Googling Mr. D. Happenstance, there's this guy who has a podcast called named Joel Martin. He interviewed Chuck Daly and Mr. D. <laughs> so uh, where I couldn't find certain stuff, he actually helped fill in some of the gaps. Um, but yeah, so uh, Chuck, or, sorry, Mr. D said it's libido. libido. Everyone thought it was libido, but no, he said specifically libido. libido. That's going to take some getting used to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's dancing his ass off. And it was a really awesome dancer. And, uh, you know, Mr. D's, I remember he was wearing a Vancouver Grizzlies jersey, 
but the logo had been removed and like the logo of some band was put there in, in place. But I could tell it was Vancouver Grizzlies because of the 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 sh- you know the, the pattern on the the sleeves and uh, color, and that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they rocked the house, they rocked the park, they were awesome. <laughs> and I think I immediately went out and bought Fold A to B uh, the following day, and uh, it was also the summertime, so too cool for school. It was like, yeah, fuck yeah. I'm not going back. <laughs> I think we're going back for victory lap or something like that. But I was yeah, like, yeah, that would make sense. Lap. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe that was okay. before. I can't remember. Regardless. No, you're you're in the right era because yeah. uh all right, Ted. Let's flash back to February two thousand what? Let's strap in. Strap in. Let's go back to February two uh, 28, 2003. Old school is the number one comedy. Daredevil was wildly underperforming at the box office. Lose Yourself was a mere few weeks away from winning the Oscar for Best Song. And renowned sexual predator Roman Polanski would be honored by those Hollywood hypocrites for Best Director with the Piano. Anyway, I digress. Let's rewind a little... Uh, sorry, the whole point of that, that's when Fold A to B came out. Okay. The game-changer album that really put the salads on the map. But before we get to that point, let's rewind a little bit further a couple more years. As Ted said earlier, they are from Newmarket. The same musical hotbed home to acts like Glass Tiger, Tokyo Police Club, Serial Joe, and the Elwins. Um, originally known as Lynx, formed by Chuck Daly on bass, Dave Ziemba on guitar, and Grant Taylor on drums, while attending Kettleby Public District School in King Township. So it's out in the country of Newmarket. Okay. So they're from the uh, well, like New Market, I've actually been there because uh, a girl I worked with was from there, and actually she like knew the whole musical scene in New Market. All those bands that are all friends yeah. is very not hard to know. Like she knew one of the guys in the Elms, so it's like uh, it's very incestuous. Um, and let's see, where the hell am I? Oh yeah, as I said, re- uh, research was spotty. So uh, Darren Dumas, a.k.a. Mr. D, filled in some gaps in a great interview with, uh, on the Joel Martin Mastery. Go check that guy out. He's a little dry with how he interviews people, but it's actually quite interesting. Hmm. Uh, he actually has some good uh, salad stories. He actually met, he chatted with those guys while waiting for uh, Radiohead. They were like bar hopping before a Radiohead show in Quebec. Yeah. And the salads were just like walking by. He's like, that's the salads. And he just runs out there and starts <laughs> chatting with them. That's cool. Um, yeah. yeah. And, but uh, I reached out to Mr. D. I DM'd him. I slid into his DMs. Hasn't gotten back to me yet. But uh, maybe he seems like a sweetheart of a guy in those interviews. So maybe he'll reach out to us and check his, check a damn message. Yeah, some people just don't check their DMs. It happens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, maybe we can be on the actual well, fan page. If you really want to interview them, you can message this Joel Martin guy, and maybe he can hook you up. That's true. Um, so those three are from Newmarket. Mr. D is actually from Stratford. Okay. And he, he ended up... John ended, Crowley. <laughs> no, that's Seaforth. Seaforth. No, but he's also from... <laughs> but it's close to Stratford. I don't think it is, because I went to Stratford a bunch of times visiting Chantel, and I don't remember seeing Seaforth anywhere near there. Did you walk around and see like... locals? What do you guys think of Seaforth? <laughs> it's like uh, Max and the law when they would spit whenever they thought of, uh, was it Delhi? Oh, no. No. Because he's it from Simcoe, and Max is from Tilsonburg. Yeah. They hate each other. 
Correct. Simcoe and Tillyburg are rival towns. I thought they all hated Delhi. I don't think anyone gives a shit about Delhi. It's so small. <laughs> all right. Anyway, he ended up going to George Brown for graphic design. And through the music scene, he, or he was in a band called... Oh, uh, hell is it? You better check those glasses. Shut <laughs> up. Oh, yeah, here it is. Um, here it is. Uh, he becomes enamored with the music scene in Toronto, going to gigs, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the little kids had been making music. I call them the, the other thing, the little kids. Uh, the he was literally yeah. making school since like grade or making music since grade school. And so after high school, they put out that first record that would be known as Meanwhile the Salads. Mm. Here's some fun facts. D is not on that album. Okay. Uh, I Okay, because I couldn't find – I listened to it this afternoon. And yeah. I got track for track thoughts. But I'm listening to him like, man, Mr. D sounds really different. Yeah. Like, I, I, I wanted to see, like, because there's also a couple different voices I could make out on there. It wasn't yeah. just one guy. But I went looking up for, like, liner notes. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. So what happened is when they were recording the album, they they made the music first. See, this is actually one of my biggest uh, questions when I was younger. When like when I first learned guitar and I wanted to get in a band, I'm like, you know, how do people do it? Do they write the music first and just cram lyrics in to fit the music? Well, that's exactly what these guys did. <laughs> and um, so they basically, whatever the song called for, like they would all kind of take turns. Um, mm. I don't know who did what on what track. That's something if we ever get Chuck or... D on the horn. To be, you can ask him. D, you probably wouldn't have any information on it. No, but I'm sure he has some background because I'm sure he's talked to because he had to change how it sounds based on his voice and his capabilities, right? right? So, um, but yeah, so they moved to Toronto together, the three of them. Uh, I assume they were either working in Toronto or going to school. Doesn't say, but they all had a house together. It was a kind of a jam house, like what we went to our. My first year, your second year, oh, yeah. house where people just come by and jam with Dan and Dad. You just hear the ocean all day long. Are they gonna stop? Oh God! It reminds me of an episode of Drew Carey where. Uh, they were trying to build like a mall in that area or something, and they wanted to demolish yes. the house. Yeah, I remember so, that. to try to drown him out. Mimi just played like uh, Panama by Van Halen for like three days straight. Yeah, but Drew ended up waiting him out because he didn't want to give up his house. It kind of also oh. reminds you on Com Tech how Blair wanted to piss off Cam and Eddie. so he kept <laughs> playing that. Uh, he was in charge of music. He kept playing that. He was getting so mad. He kept doing it. Kevin, he's like, Blair, knock that off! Play something that rocks! Kevin, he's losing his mind. You know what? Say what you will about Kevin, Eddie. He usually kept his cool, even when he was really mad. Like when he got mad at you and was going to give you a zero, he walked up to you very calmly. Hey, hey, you weren't even paying any attention to me. He had to say hey to you like five times. And they told you, you're getting a zero. Why? That was your reaction. And you're like, oh, because you didn't do this. Like, ah! And you went and did it. He didn't give you a zero. <laughs> Although, 
I think he was the only teacher I screamed at. But, but that, that's why he was a good teacher. You know what I mean? He let you get, you get your money's worth. Yeah. You know, he was fair, except for the time that... Actually, looking back on it, remember how we did that project with Park Hill? Park Hill somehow got a higher mark than us. Yeah, even though he was in charge of the audio, that didn't work. <laughs> it worked! It was his only job, and he didn't work, and he still did better than us. Uh, he, I think he was just annoyed by you and me screwing around so much. Uh, all we would hear from his office is like, Hey, Jessup, stop that game. <laughs> shut up! Because <laughs> we wouldn't do any work. Just trying to make each other laugh. That was the thing. We would make each other laugh in the process of working. Like That was the only <laughs> class I ever actually tried. Yeah. Anywho... There, Alex, if you're listening, anyway. I didn't do another... Ted did. That's not my fault. Um, so anyway, these guys had a house in Toronto, and it became a bit of a jam house. And as here tell, or was it that Norm always says, here tell? Yeah, 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 here tell, yeah, here tell, yeah. <laughs> um, basically, uh, where the hell am I? I? keep losing my space. I should have actually printed off these notes. I hate reading off... Uh, computers anyway so how they got their name was and actually they would screw around with the origin story depending on who asked but the official story from d was they would um have these parties and instead of asking for like money they there'd be a little bowl and instead of people putting in change they put in nuggets of reefer and <laughs> so what would happen is they would basically mix up this huge just whatever yeah. of, of different types of reefer make all these big joints and they're like because it was like literally a, a house salad of different reefer okay and then, so someone got really ripped and like you should call this band the salads and uh they're like all right they you stuck oh uh, it's a name you remember yeah you know you don't forget except, a band called the salads except every time i tried to do some damn research all i got were salad recipes and that's not even a terrible <laughs> joke <laughs> You should open a salad restaurant, and all of the salads are named after salad songs. <laughs> you know, it'd be very interesting when you get to the uh, the one salad that's called "Pee Pee Through My Wee Wee." <laughs> um, so yeah, after um, so they they put out they they went from links to the salads. They put out meanwhile the salads. Yeah, and uh, you know, being in the music Toronto music scene, D was a big fan, and his band Chronic was breaking up. So they, God, these guys are such potheads. <laughs> um, called the band Chronic, and uh, they so they became friends. They invited D to join the band. Uh, oh yeah, sorry, I skipped over one part. So pe- when people, when interviewers or fans would ask them uh, why they called the salads. You know, if a little kid was asking, you know, if like they were at like a much music event or something and they're yeah. like, Why are you called the salads? He's like, Well, we're all fans of the Simpsons and we love that episode where he's like, You don't win friends with salad. <laughs> they have like they have like pre canned kind of like joke answers or something, blow off stuff, depending on who would ask. So that was one of the examples D gave in that interview. Um so April twenty fifth, ninety eight. They put that out on the, and they founded Maui Maui Records, basically their <laughs> pot reference. <laughs> uh, their, their home label so they can control their releases. And then 
I assume how it works, because I've never been in the music biz, you release it on Maui Waui, and then you get a distribution deal with the bigger label. Who, yeah. But that way you can still retain like the publishing rights. That's definitely something. If we ever get Chuck or D on the horn, that's what I'm going to ask him. Because I'm always curious about the inner workings of the industry. Sure. Um, eh, anyway, so they were armed with a whole slew of songs. D actually like said he learned, he took singing lessons. Like he was already a decent singer, but he uh-huh. really dove into it, took it seriously, uh, changed how he sang a little bit, and um. So before we get to who's that cat, why don't we dive into the uh, meanwhile the salads? Meanwhile, okay. So I was at first when I saw fifty eight minutes. This is what took me so long to start my deep dive. It was just every. Do I got an hour to put aside for this every single night? I would look at that. Oh, my God. So today I did it, finally. And I'm very glad I did. I really, really like this album. Yeah, it's, a, it's a little long in the tooth. They could have cut at least one of the instrumentals out. Uh, but now I understand why they had so many instrumentals. And uh, so, you know, there's there's a, a little bit of chuff I'd cut out of there to try to tighten it up. But still, it's a ton of fun. There's It's funky as hell. Basically, they wear their influences on their sleeve. Oh, Clearly, yeah. they're trying to channel Fishbone. The Chili Peppers, P Funk, and Three Eleven. I was gonna say Rage Against the Machine. I didn't hear so much Three Eleven on this. There was one song that was. Give me a second. I'm gonna mute my mic yeah. just because I don't want to start farting around. There's one song that was like real Three Eleven. Give me one second. Okay. Well, I, I got notes for all of them. So uh, the the album starts with just a wave of horns, and I didn't expect to hear horns on a Salads album. Uh, oh, I also want to let everyone know how good the musicianship is. Like, all three of them can freaking play. You know, Grant's a great drummer. Chuck's a killer bassist. Uh, what's the other guy's name on the guitar? Dave? Dave Zimba. Dave. Oh, yeah. Dave can shred. Like, these guys are tight musicians. And there's a lot of guest musicians here. You hear a little turntable work. There's a country song at the end of it, of all things. So, uh... But yeah, the return of Johnny Stubbs, that's nice and ska. Now, I thought that this was Mr. D singing. So I was like, oh, man, Mr. D, I've never heard him sing this good. But I guess it wasn't him. Um, you stinky bitch. That's uh, that's the P-Funk one. That's nice and funky. Love that. Higher thing. Uh, that's some horny funk. They got that going through there. Uh, oh, here's the one. Garden Gnome. Whoever's singing that is doing a straight-up Angela Moore impression. Oh, 100%. That's what I wrote there. It's definitely channeling the fishbone influence. Uh, then they had Yucca Street, which I thought was really cool because the that, chorus and intro for that song is like 70s AM radio soul. But then that the was the one that I kind of felt like. Go ahead. Sorry. That was the one I felt kind of had a bit of a 311 kind really? of like amber, like not 311 hard 311, like the kind of softer, like amber or okay. stuff like that. I felt that was more Nick, Nick Hexum trying to be soulful vibe, but. I mean, 70s funk or rock, I, I see that yeah. too. But then in the verse, they're rapping, and it's almost like this really aggressive Zach Della Roca iced tea kind of thing that they're doing in the in the verse. That's why I really liked it, because it was really hard and aggressive in the verse, and then just smooth and chill in the chorus. It was a really cool contrast. Right. Uh, then we get, the, like, then there's, like, an instrumental there, Peanut Butter Kid, which I'm like, all right, it's an instrumental and then, then it kind of got the. It, it, really, it's the first five songs. They're just off the chains, 
And then it starts to get into a little bit of the Chuffa territory. You know, the salad theme song, there's turntable there, it's new metal, it's kind of fun. Cuckoo Bananas was a uh, an instrumental I really loved. That's got like a twin, there's two saxes soloing at the same time on it that I really right. liked. Uh, what it called? I wrote, oh, you like this reference. Their song, Supermarket Manager. I wrote, I like this song. It's very Chili Peppers-esque. It's a lot less busy, to quote Hossein, than the other songs. Because remember, you thought your music was too busy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, after that, the rest of the album um, kind of peters off a little bit towards the end. Although, by the end, though, by, like, Coco Bananas and Supermarket Manager, like, they're yeah. not that far from the end. Like, I really yeah. like the Buffalo Buffet at the end. I mean, it's like, seven one... minutes. Was, was Buffalo Buffet the one that's, like, eight minutes? Um, I don't think so. Okay, there's one towards the end that's, like, eight I minutes. I didn't say eight minutes, but I still really like it. But, yeah. um, yeah. I it's about driving to Buffalo, something we've done many times. The, the broccoli one at the end. I mean, that one could have easily been clipped, but... It's barely uh, a song. Yeah, but it's... Uh, for our first efforts, and, like, you know, it really shows that these guys truly have been, like, jamming together for so long. They yeah. were so tight. They, and obviously, the uh, the fellas in... Or no, sorry. It's, it makes sense why they're all good guitar teachers for the guys in Serial Joe. Well, it's big time. <laughs> big time. They, uh... They were very good. Yeah. That is a really kind of cool diamond in the rough, that album. I don't think a lot of people know about it. But it is a lot of funky fun, and I recommend it. Even if you don't like the salads, I recommend it, because it doesn't really sound like anything they put out after that. Well, you know, the other thing, too, is, like, a lot of the time, debut albums, unless they're, like, a debut that just is a smash, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's, like, uh, an indie debut album or something that just kind of unless you're like a uh, purist and you go through the whole discography of the band some people might not might sleep on an album like that for years until they go back and they're like oh shit didn't even realize you know they have this album and it's so good but yeah they hmm. should uh, people need to go back and hear this album oh absolutely yeah i i really recommend this one if you like if you like anything funky check this yeah. out also, I want to know, because I know that uh, Chuck was studying music, because he comes from, like, a family of musicians, I believe. Um, and I think he's half American, because I think his dad was in, he said in an interview, his dad was in Vietnam as, like, a musician, I believe. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, so he comes from musical family. So I assume the people who played on those those horns on that album must have been, like, some of his music school chums or something. Yeah. Or maybe just local musicians, but they were good. You're awesome. Like I said, that one that song—I forget it now. Uh, the one with like the the where they had the two saxes soloing at the same time. I love that. That was great, um, and it takes a lot for me to really love an instrumental, and I love that. <laughs> yeah. So the obviously the meanwhile the salads chart wise anything like that it did nothing for them, sure. but it gave them a the arsenal for the live show and for touring, which they became well renowned for. Enter Mr. D. Uh, so, like I said before, he was. A, there's a reason why he was a huge fan of this album. It was friggin' fantastic. Um, and so he started taking musical or uh, singing lessons. Wanted to up his game because clearly all these guys were on next level. So they recorded a little EP in 2001. Who's that cat? I think it was five songs. I couldn't find it. Maybe it was on YouTube or something. But okay, uh, there was. Well, a who's that cat? Is on full day to be. 
Right. And yeah. uh, so that one of those ones that rehash them a lot. That single, they made a video for it, and um, it was the it was his first contribution to the group on that EP, and it started to get them. Who's that cat? Started to get them a little bit of airplay, and they started to build their relationship with Edge One Hundred Two. In particular, Martin Streak, who was a huge champion of the band. Oh, cool. Um, okay. And so, do you remember how Martin Streak would always do uh, Friday nights at the Kingdom? Was like, oh, oh yeah. Uh, That's what we were referencing at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Um, Friday nights at the Kingdom. So, he later in their career, when Full Day to Be came out, it was still relatively new, but like, it wasn't always the type of song you would hear at the Kingdom. The salads were there that night. He called them up to the booth. He's like, watch this. He puts it on. The whole place goes friggin' nuts. And the salads, like, the D-Cities, like, wanted to cry. Cause it was just such a moment that everyone just reacted so well to their music. And it was Who's That Cat? Uh, no, it was Get Loose. But, uh, oh, okay. I got, I got you. Yeah. Uh, it was a few years after this point. But uh, this yeah. is where it, they started to lay the foundation. Um, let's see. Ba, 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 ba. Oh, yeah. Um. The Salads always prided themselves on their tight, high-energy live show. And uh, credit D as, you know, he, I've seen footage of him and he is very engaged with the audience. He kind of reminds me of like a, a Greg Gaffin where he's from Bad Religion. Oh, the eye contact. Eye contact and really yeah. prowls the stage, really soaks up everyone, gets the feedback from them. And it makes him go even harder. Um <clears throat> And even the tightest live show can always be improved. Enter Libido, uh, the <laughs> band's hype man slash dancer for all their live shows. Now, at this time, people were wondering why they did it. Well, D said one of their biggest, uh, one of their favorite ska bands was the Mighty Mighty Boston's. And, you know, the Boston's had Ben Carr. And yeah. so they're, they're like, fuck, if they can do it. Why the fuck can't we? So they're like, I'm a dancing guy. So, uh, Libido was uh, well known in the hip hop community in Toronto because he was one of the best like b-boy dancers out there. Yeah. And when they were trying to put on shows as they were building up their name, they were always trying to mix up the genres. They prided themselves on really having a diverse show. So D was adamant. And so was uh, Chuck about, you know, we'll get a hip-hop act, we'll get a metal act, we'll get a punk act, we'll get the salads, who are all of the above. Um, And so that's when they started crossing paths. And so he would dance, and then so they invite him on stage, they'd all have fun together, and so they're kind of... And the other dancers in Libido's group, or Libido's group, sorry, I slipped, uh, were not taking it as seriously. And so he's like, I need a crew. He's like, join the salads. So he did. (laughs) Um... So touring, blah 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 blah. Well, just I want to point out one thing between if you only if you've never seen Libido, uh-huh. between Ben Carr from the Boston's and Libido, Libido is the far superior dancer. <laughs> Libido knows how to dance and is an excellent dancer. Yeah. Ben Carr, little the reason he's in the band 
is because that was the only way he could get into bars, and he was a friend of the band, so they just lie and said he was in the band. Well, actually, and if he walked on stage, he could drink, and no one would card him and stuff like that, and he could get into these bars under the age of uh, twenty-one. Well, the other so, thing is uh, <laughs> he learned how to dance a little bit over time, but Levito is a true dancer. Well, the other thing about Ben Carr, he was also their tour manager. Yeah, so eventually he got that moniker. And uh, so they're like, well, if you're already going to be on the road with us, there's no sense in you watching the show. Why don't you do a little two, two-foot shuffle and uh, call yourself the Boston? Um, so, yeah, touring, blah, 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 blah. All right, we're caught up to 2003. Um, so they went back in the studio and recorded Fold A to B. And obviously, if you're an ancient dinosaur like Teddy and I, you remember Mad Magazine. And uh, the the full day to be at the last page of the magazine, it would be like a line, almost like a setup to a joke. And there's two yeah. points where you fold the magazine in, fold A to B, and there's the answer to the joke or riddle. And 90% of the time, I, don't, I, I used to read Mad Magazine religiously. Maybe it was too over my head because I was little. I never found those things paid off. <laughs> I'm like, this is stupid. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember, like, the ones on The Simpsons were funny. Like, the almighty dollar... But uh, I well, never uh, – I got the one I had when I was a kid. I remember folding A to B and being, I don't get this punchline. The only reason too young. Was, the only reason it was funnier on The Simpsons because Homer was like, the almighty dollar. <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's where they got the name from if, you, if you're a young pup. But uh, Fold A to B was released February 28th, 2003. And while I can't find album sales, safe to say, I, I'd, I'd be surprised if that album wasn't, if not gold, maybe platinum. I don't know, because it was on the air nonstop in 2003. Um, and it really took them to the next loose or next level. Yeah, you gotta get loose to get Get loose. The next loose. Get loose was a huge single all over the airwaves. <laughs> All over much music. It was uh, featured in the two times platinum album Big Shiny Tunes 8. Um, It was featured in the movie Euro Trip. Obviously, the scene where they're partying in Bratislava, they get wasted on absinthe. Lot about that, yeah. And um, they, uh, Michelle Trachtenberg, gets super wasted and makes up with Travis Webster, who plays her brother, and uh, Jacob Pitts doesn't stop making fun of him for it. Anyway, if you haven't seen Euro Trip, it's hilarious. Yeah, it's also I haven't seen it in years. It's probably horribly dated, but I have so, the DVD. Yeah, so do I. Just I just haven't seen it in years. Yeah. Um. What are you gonna say? Oh, I do want to get into Fold A to B. Hold on. It's, uh, it was also featured, Get Loose was also featured in a big Labatt Blue ad. Yes, I remember that. And it was also uh, the apparently the main song for the 2003 hockey playoffs. Like every year they have one song. You know, like one year it was knocking at the door by the Arkells. Yeah. It seems like it was it- actually uh, last year the, the Colorado Avalanches song was All the Small Things. Yeah. Was they started using that as the, the the promo. They just start singing it at the games. Actually, we've been doing that uh, with the, uh, the the Thunderwolves, the team up here. And this is ripped off from the Red Sox. We took this from them. 
But between the second and third period, the second intermission right at the end, we always play Sweet Caroline. And well, that, that's just the standard at every like sporting event. Yeah, but it gets the crowd going. So it's yeah. nice to have a standby song that you can play every night. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. Apparent, according to the internet, apparently it was also used for an Olympics, like as like a in the commercials. And according to IMDb, "Who's That Cat" was on an episode of Twenty Four. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. I remember 24 had interesting music because the only time I ever watched 24, um, I guess Alicia Cuthbert was on her way to a party on this episode. And in the car, she's listening to the song Live at Ease by Sublime off of 40 Ounces to Freedom album. Oh, yeah. And it was such a weird, like, pick. I was like, really? They, they went with that song? Like, that is a deep cut. Yeah. Like, even, like, big Sublime fans like me, you don't hear people talking about that song. So I thought that was really cool. So I, they must have some people who are into, like, the ska and the reggae and stuff like that if they also had uh, the salads. And they went with Who's That Cat Not Get Loose. Uh, the show or uh, the show Chuck always had good music for me. Like, it was more uh, kind of 2000s garage rock, a lot of it. But sure. it was that. Uh, Gaslight were in an episode or on an episode. I remember you showing me that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. It's it was looking at you, kid, right? Yeah. And actually, there was one more thing. The the Roth Kung Fu was featured on an episode of Degrassi, The Next Generation. So. <laughs> well, you know what? Let's put a debate out here uh, before we get into this because we're talking about the singles, and Roth Kung Fu was the second single off the album. Yeah. Feel like paradise. Got a nice stiff drink, even cold advice. Drop dead legs distract me The shy boys going crazy Cali girl gone bad Really got me hey, babe, my name is David For your money Because I think that this album Full Day to Be is just It's the ultimate party album Yeah, You hear people saying that about uh, Like ACDC's Back in Black How that's such a great party album For my money this is a killer party album. Oh, yeah. What is a better party song? Get Loose or Roth Kung Fu, or do you have another pick? Off that album or just party songs in general? Uh, off that album. Um, I mean, no. I was going to say Too Cool for School, but that's just more of like a, uh, just a summer, that's got to be on like your, your, what is it, your Margs and your, your what's it? Yeah. That's that's specific though. That is end of summer. That song, because you're pissed off that you gotta go back to school. Yeah. So you're like, ah, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I'd say in terms of just straight, like if literally you were like, like in a couple of months when you're like, I'm turning 38, I just want to get fucked up and go, and like you put that song in just rage. Whereas like Roth Kung Fu, that's more of like a live show song where it's like if you and I went and saw the salads. Because it's literally, there's that line, grab the person next to you. You be, you and I would like, grapple each yeah. other and sing together. You know what I mean? That's more of like a crowd hype song. Whereas okay. like, uh, Get Loose is just like, just what it says. Just all out party. See, I would totally go with uh, Roth Kung Fu. And that song gets me more amped. And I think it's because he's like visualizing... The party so well. You know, got a spliff in my hand. It's just me and the band, and all I need is that woman. <laughs> now it's starting to feel like paradise. Got a nice stiff drink, keep it cold with ice. Do you remember when we go to Park Hill's house? Yeah, I would always get pissed off because I I I'd ask him for ice down with my drink, and I would always pour the drink into. That was from that song. I thought, well, you know, I'm not gonna have a stiff drink, but 
Might as well keep it cold with ice. And that became my thing for a while to the point that Park Hill gets so annoyed with me always asking for ice with my drinks that he got me, remember he got me a thing of umbrellas and uh, drinking straws and stuff <laughs> like that. So I had plenty of drink accessories. Do you remember every time you came over to my house after school and you'd always have a pop and you put ice, <laughs> you'd always change yes. the setting, you'd crush the ice and I would get mad I at you. I love that. That's one of my favorite stuff. Brid still brings this up because I remember I, what's it called? I changed it from cube to crushed. And then I'm drinking the poppy like, you gotta switch it back. And I'm like, oh, sorry. He goes, no, no, no. This is a cubed family. <laughs> you said that to me. And then your dad gets home from work and he goes, who forgot to switch the ice over? And then you went, it was Teddy. And he goes, doesn't he know this is a cubed family? <laughs> I told her that story uh, before she even met you, and uh, she still brings it up. <laughs> Doesn't he know this is a cubed family? <laughs> well, it's because when you tell the story, it almost sounds like a character of something from like a sitcom. It's like what kind of nut, what kind of nutcases are regimented about their ice cubes? But the last family, that's who. <laughs> you guys take your ice cubes very seriously. Although uh, it, I don't know, I, I but it's funny when I got older, I actually kind of switched from the crushed ice to the cubed ice. I went. I did go the way of the last family, and now I prefer cute. There you go. Because it keeps your yeah. drink colder longer. Or the crushed ice just yeah. evaporates too quickly. I'm actually almost at the thing where I don't even want ice. <laughs> I live in Thunder Bay. It's cold enough. Just stick it outside for five seconds. I guess it's good. It's good. That'll do. Yeah. Um, okay. So, I, obviously, uh, lots of exposure for the band on this album. Uh, it won a Casby Award for Best Favorite Band, and it won an award at the Canadian Indie Music Award. So uh, some people were digging it. I was digging it. Ted, tell me your thoughts. Oh, this sounds awesome. You know, uh, when we've done these episodes, so often I'll have to, even if I had the album or listened to it before, I'll have to go back and revisit it. And I did do that for this album, but I didn't need to. Yeah. Like, listening to it last night, I remembered everything like it was the first time I had listened to the album. <laughs> like, there's uh, to, I've used this expression before on the show, uh, but I haven't used it in a while. I'll use it again. It's not a gelding in the bunch. <laughs> All studs in this stable. Um, let's see. Yeah, because you kick off with Get Loose. So you're, oh, yeah, you're hyped. And then they're going to feel your pain, uh, free your pain, which is just funky as hell, uh, and hard rocking in the chorus. All right, the one song I didn't really like was Unhappy. Really? And that's just because it is a bit of a love song, and it's a little bland compared to the rest of the album. I like it now. I think the video's funny. I don't know if you've ever seen the video for Unhappy. It's kind of funny. Oh, is that the one like, they all started the getting, getting into a like... little fight. Pardon me? Is that the one where he's got this like big head and it's like almost like a like a bobblehead and it's like he's head they're moving his chin? Maybe I'm mixing up videos, but there's one that's. A I really don't know. Though this one, they're like getting into these little fights, and libido has to always play peacemaker. Oh, okay. And so libido like sitting on amp reading a comic while they're uh, <laughs> rehearsing. They'll get in a fight, and he's gotta go and break it up. And he goes back to like read his comic again. And there's another fight. He's gotta make peace. Uh. uh 
And then like Roth Kung Fu, I said that's the best party song of the 2000s. That includes Andrew WK, who is a party god, but he can't party as hard as Roth Kung Fu can party. <laughs> uh, you know, time for change. Uh, I thought that song really played to Mr. D's strength. He's a really great rapper. Yeah. If you haven't noticed already at this point in the album. Uh, who's the cat? Funky as hell. Too for cool for school. I think it's my favorite song on the album. Uh, yeah, it just keeps going, you know? I like the skits. Who knows? Why You Gotta Be That? That rapper they had on Why You Gotta Be That? Yeah, Love actually, that. Uh, huh. uh, that guy, Skits, he changed his name. He's going under something else. I forget what it is. D mentioned it in an interview. Uh, but he's still rapping. And actually, I think it's... Uh, if you go under Mr. D, if you follow him on Instagram, he put a, posted a link to like his favorite songs of 2022. And I guess this mm-hmm. the Skits, under his new moniker... Uh, released a new song with D. Um, oh, cool. And so he's still rapping. He's still, uh, and obviously the salads still have that connection. So check that out. It's, I haven't, I haven't, Neat. I haven't checked it out yet, but I will. Okay. Um, but I really, and then the, uh, uh, get down the, the closer. Got a plan to get down. I just thought it was a perfect closer to this album. Honestly, good kind of sing along track. I kind great. I kind of wished the, my only gripe is I kind of wish they ended, uh, the album with, what you looking at? What you looking at? Come on! Because <laughs> it's just like, it's like the way, because it's so like, it, it ends so strong and high that it's almost just like, all right, we're done. You know what I mean? It's like, that's how you want to close out a show. It's just like, Whoop, and it's over, you know what I mean? But That's just my Okay. Yeah, the old uh you wanted to do the American slang school of uh, ending an album. Yeah. Where you have that slow song where you think it's over and instead you give him one last punch to the face. Exactly. And then you go, okay, I, I can get with you on that. But I like the way it played out. Oh, sure. I, it's, I, it's a minor gripe, but it's uh... – Yeah. And this, this was an album that was a favorite of mine when I was 18, and it's a favorite of mine now that I'm 37. Damn. Yeah, it's been a well, while. Some people weren't as uh, friendly. I found this one. Fuck them. <laughs> I found this one review by this wanker, Dan Cohen, who works for Exclaim. He said, excuse me, I've had three beers. Uh, the salads aren't the first to make the transition from ska reggae to metal. Two of the bands that pioneered that uh, 
North American ska were the masters of it. The Mighty Mighty Boston's did it masterfully, and Fishbone just loved to throw down. The Salad's transition isn't as successful as the Boston's or Fishbone, though it's it's uh, it's because of a lack of, or sorry, it's because of the style of the metal they bring into it. The Boston's did it for fun. You could sense it just by the how they rocked out. They liked rocking out. There was not much fun about. There wasn't much fun about Fishbone, but the metal they played was hard and furious. Did he say there wasn't that much fun about Fishbone? At least in the metal portion of it, but... This guy's uh, destroyed his credibility already. <laughs> uh, well, do you want to finish the quote, or can I get into it? Because I got thoughts. Give me two seconds. I'm almost done. Okay. Uh, basically, he says the salad's problem is their metal sounds like Limp Bizkit, uh, and they throw it into a power ballad or two to pussy it up. You're not the fucking bad brains. Don't scream about Babylon and rock out reggae, reggae part rock, or sorry, part reggae, part rock, uh, part formula was worn to death, and your your one song attempt to be sublime, blatantly obvious. Fuck this okay. This guy, you know what he was doing? First of all, to compare the salads, okay, on their first album, I compared them to Fishbone. Yeah. And that's a fair comparison to the first album. They don't sound anything like Fish, Fishbone on this album. No. And to compare them to the Boston's, they never sounded like the Boston. They might like the Boston's. Because they play a little bit of ska, it doesn't mean that you can say that they sound like the Boston's. They don't sound anything like them. <laughs> so that's like, that's like saying, um, you know, that's like putting out a review for the, the tragically hip and comparing them to like De La Soul. You know what I mean? It, like it, it, there's no comparison there. Yeah. You know, like it, it. That's a silly, silly, silly review. Yeah. And who cares? It's new metal. It was a product of the time. Sorry, he didn't. He didn't scan your record collection before they put this out. And Fucking also, idiot. Like again, this is. I, maybe I just have three eleven on the brain. I would put more three eleven connections because of the switching from metal to rock than Limp Bizkit. <laughs> Because yeah, here here there is a little bit more of the uh, like it's not over prevalent or anything, and but I could see some how Mr. D would be compared to Fred Durst because they do kind of get into a little bit of a higher registrar when they're rapping, but he really he has a different flow, a whole different vibe. Yeah, plus like that's that's a, it's a stupid comparison. Fred Durst also raps like I know when we were thirteen or. 14, whatever we like, $3 bill, y'all. Fred Durst rap yeah. just like, look at me, I'm Fred Durst. And like, yeah, that really high, yeah, that, ooh, you know, that kind yeah. of, like that kind of thing. Yeah. And, it's, and Mr. D does that a little bit, but it's not as, it's not as obnoxious. He makes it his own. Pardon me? He makes it his own. Yeah. And I think that this vibe, like, okay, I, I pointed out some direct rips on Meanwhile, which I still enjoyed. I just, you know, they're, they're paying homage to their influences. Here, it really just feels like its own thing. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think that guy's a moron. Oh, 100%. And I hope he got fired for that review. Yeah. I don't know if he's still active in the music critic uh, space, but uh, let's find him. If you're a fan of the show, look up Dan Cohen, bully him online until he quits. <laughs> Because he should hang it up. Brian's promoting cyberbullying <laughs> on Canada. 
<laughs> Sorry, Dan Cohen, you uh, suck. There, I got the ball rolling. Um, there you go. So, regardless of what fuckface Cohen says, uh, the bit obviously, like we said before, the album was a smash, and it took them yeah. to the next register, register, next level. Um, they played the 04 Edge Fest. Uh, they did a tour of Australia with the President's United States of America. Um, That's cool. I'm sure they uh, did some of their own tours. And actually, I did. If you Google uh, the salad's history, there's a neat uh, thing that I found. I'm going to share some of their tour history later. But it, you can actually go and see some of their whole tours that they did. Um, oh, cool. So I didn't go back this far, but uh, you can kind of piece some of the history of where they were touring at this time. So as we move ahead to the next album, um, so here's a little backstory. Uh any anyone who's fans of the salads knows that Dangerous Darren Pfeiffer, formerly of Goldfinger, played in the salads and actually is still technically a member. Uh, originally from Buffalo. I didn't know that. What? The Dangerous da- Darren joined the salads? I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. When did that happen? Uh, this this third album. What happened to, to Grant? Did he leave? Oh. Sorry, I'm going to get into all that. So, uh, okay. so originally from Buffalo, Darren moved uh, to L.A., joined Goldfinger, as well as some other band before Goldfinger, uh, and then he moved up north, where he got married to a gal who was, I think she, he was like their publicist or something uh, for Canada, and I think he has a couple of ki- Canadian kiddos, I'm not sure. Either way, he's divorced now, but while he... Uh, was in Toronto. He worked the night shift at edge one Oh two again, where he might've come into contact with the salads, but they officially met at a legendary Scatolite show. So what happened? Oh yeah, that's cool. Okay. Scatolites were in town. Dangerous. Darren was at that show. The salads were at that show just watching. I don't think they were playing their man. They spotted them and they're, they're like, they go to their manager. They're like, get some fucking CDs. I got to go start off a conversation with this guy. So they're luckily <laughs> their management's office was across the street. And so he runs over, grabs some CDs. I assume they got full A to B and probably meanwhile and chatted up, gave him some CDs. If nothing else, he's like, here's some free CDs. Uh, if you like it, let us know. So dangerous. Darren got back to him and they became friends. And so, uh, Let's see, blah, blah, blah. After D fanned out, they became friends, blah, 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 blah. Um, and apparently, Dangerous Darren co-helped write the song It's All Right on the Big Picture, which wasn't out at the time, but while they were working on it, he was in and out of that production process. Uh, so here's a little bit more backstory. Uh, I don't have any of their actual ages. I know D is about five years younger than them, but I think at this time, they were probably in their late 20s, early 30s. D was still in his kind of like young out of college mid-20s phase. Uh, okay. So at this point unless you're sad Brian over here, and yes I did write that into the script uh, you know, you're settling down, buying houses, having kids all that mature, boring adult stuff as you walk that boring sexless, sexless flag to the eter- end of the eternal dirt nap. Jesus Christ! Alright Brian, you hit a nosedive. Pull up. Pull up. Uh, <laughs> I wrote that in the script too. Uh, all this to say, the salad. You're not supposed to say that. We're just supposed to think that you're witty off the cuff. <laughs> uh, 
the Salads were fighting a battle of coming of age, and they wanted to write a record that reflected as such. And the label basically said, give us 12 tracks of Get Loose. And they're like, well, we're not really at the Get Loose stage anymore. We're at the, I want to go to bed by nine and, uh, you know, put my feet up with a nice hot tea. And um, so what do you do? And, you know, you put out this huge album and, you know, people are anxious for what do you do with an encore? When you have a big album, expectations are high, mm, all this crap. So they went into the studio and recorded The Big Picture. It was released May 9th, 2006. And I think the salads won out because this definitely doesn't sound as fun. Now, when I heard this album, do you remember I bought the album? And I was like, I listened to it once. I'm like, ah, Bushley. And I understand why now. Because I was in my early 20s. I was in the get loose stage. I was not where they were. And... Um, I was 21 actually. And so when I listen to it now, I definitely understand it more and I enjoyed it a lot more this time around. Um, okay. Well, can I jump on here? Go for it. I am 37 years old. I'm going to be 38 in April. I am in my big picture days (laughs) where I go to bed early and have a kid. I hated this album really i thought it was awful (laughs) i listened to it when i was at the gym i'm like this is the salads is gonna get me hyped up and the songs were just there's no life there like this is a party band and i i I get that they're older and i've said it so many times you know some people call it selling out but it's important to um transition and, and progress as time goes along but this just sounded like they, there's a song. Hold on. I got notes here. Now, I was at the gym, so I didn't write the titles yeah. that were on here. It was actually one of the songs. Yeah, and You know what? Individually, when I thought back, like the songs weren't that bad. But the vibe was just, it, it sounded like it was being phoned in. Hold on. There was a line in one of them that I really thought was, uh, that was it. My heart's not in it. He says that somewhere. He's like, my heart's not in it. I'm like, yeah, no shit. I can tell your heart's not in it. I just was not into this album. Yeah. After full day to, to be and uh, and uh, the other one. Meanwhile, well, like this, just it, it was. It was. There was no. There was. There certainly was like no ska on there at all, yeah. or, or 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 reggae. Uh, there's, you know, but like Mr. D, like he wasn't even really rapping. He was trying to sing, and. It was just kind of new metal-y, and it just kind of, all the songs were just there. Like, there's nothing memorable. It was 2006. Yeah. I wouldn't say it was new metal-y. I, I'd kind of attribute it to almost like the Ill Scarlet era of Life of a Soldier. Uh, but at least that had a big hook, a big chorus. Like, those don't exist on this album. I don't know. Growing Up had a, had a hook. Um The one that Darren wrote had a bit of a hook. Uh, what was that one again? Uh, it's it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Had a bit of a hook.
Right. It's just, I don't know. Like all the songs, like this is, I listening to this is kind of how I felt when, uh, I got fastballs follow up to all the pain money can buy <laughs> and how much I loved all the pain money can buy. And then I got the harsh light of day yeah. and it was just no. So, you know, those big tunes that you loved off of that one album just weren't there. So here's a little bit and, more backstory with this album. Okay. So furthermore, uh, one of the guys, I think it was Grant, maybe it was Dave, I can't remember, but one of them got their car stolen that had a bunch of their demos in it. Um, oh. or, no, sorry. Uh, one of them got their laptop stolen that had a bunch of their demos and like already recorded stuff. Um, the other one had their car stolen. <laughs> um, Chuck lost his grandmother who was a huge influence on her who was battling alzheimer's and that's what the song circles mm. is about so there's a lot of negativity surrounding this band plus you're fighting the struggles of you know maturing and you know where do you go you know because you know right. we always talk about is it sad again i don't fully know how old these guys are when they wrote this so you know i mean if you're writing another party record that's not sad if you're in your late 20s early 30s you know that's the you know the party hasn't stopped yet but if you're like four, it's like if you're in your forties, like you're talking like the treble charger thing, exactly. Where they're like just like they're pop punkers, exactly. When they're in their mid forties, and you're yeah, talking yeah. about the like unrequited teenage love. It's like, bro, you're forty five. You got a mortgage. Why are you talking about that? <laughs> um, but like, so they weren't at that stage yet. But they were start. You know, they they wanted to write a more mature record, and I guess for them maturity was you know shaking off some of the fun time ska this and that or maybe it's just something they wanted you know that old adage in hollywood you know it's like you do you do your aquaman so you could do this like fancy french film you know what i mean one for me one for the industry well they did the one for the industry yeah. that you know gave them the success and they did this one was clearly for me um but uh <clears throat> let's see the the kind of problems with the salads kind of kept going because with the more exposure the commitments the touring uh the corporate music machine it just drained grant the drummer grant taylor had had enough apparently okay. people uh money had been stolen from him either from management or bookers whatever it was uh, they mentioned that money was stolen so there was just so many problems that he just didn't give a shit. So he left. Um, and it got to the point where I... For some reason what you said when you said that there's so many problems. I was just thinking, I had so many problems from that yeah. tra Transplants album. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he left. And they actually recorded um, the song, Today is Your Lucky Day. I think it was around like the late 2000s, like 09. Oh, okay. Because according to now, this is interesting because it must have been just added to Spotify. It was. I, I made that, that mistake too. I thought yeah. it was a new song. It was in 2022. Yeah. Cool. I that, yeah. I had to go back and look it up because uh, Chuck was talking about it in that interview. And so um, the the guys who made some of their music videos, uh, they wanted to do something different. They wanted to make mini movies, they didn't want to make videos. So they're like, get the hell out of the video. So this is one of the first videos where they're not actually performing. 
So if you go back and watch okay. Today is Your Lucky Day, it's they're just kind of in like little background pop-up roles. And it was to the point where Ch- uh, Grant didn't even show up. I think he was he showed up late to the shoot drunk. <laughs> they like put him in like one scene or something. Like, <laughs> uh, that's that's how little he cared by this point. Um, yeah. But today was uh, your today is your lucky day. Was actually they it was never on anything. It was just a random single, and they actually licensed it out to GM for like a year. So I don't know how much okay. they made off that. But. It's it's. What it is is it does it's a decent track. Yeah. I would not put this as a lead single to anything. Um it would be a deep cut. Yeah. Might not be one I would get too excited about, but it is much more old school salads than the big picture, which I appreciated. It made me think it gave me hope. <laughs> um it gave me hope. So the so Grant la- uh, oh sorry the uh, oh yeah so Grant left. Um, Ryan Legs is his nickname. Leger was the new drummer for about a year, but he wanted to keep gigging, and they wanted to sit and write, so he left, and that's when Dangerous Darren popped in as the full time member. Um, now. Oh yeah, here's the other thing. This is the time Libido left because they're like, listen, mm. the the album we're kind of we you know we're touring the big picture and stuff like this, and it's just like you don't fit in <laughs> because these aren't exactly. Well, how how can you dance to a lot of those songs on the big exactly. picture? Exactly, it's, it's a lot of it's, you know they're very mid tempo. Yeah, it's like head banging and blah blah blah. I don't know. It's like yeah, you have to almost like put on some like hair metal wig or something, but. uh yeah, so he left. They're apparently on good terms because uh, he good. said he's he's come out and joined them for for sporadic gigs when he's in uh, when they're in the city. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, so that was another change for the salads. And oh yeah, financially, it also makes sense to tell them to hit the bricks because you know they were uh, going from a five piece down to a four. Just made sense, you know, two hotel rooms instead of one person getting their own. Yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get to tell you this. I actually did find the first half of the Ska in the '90s documentary on YouTube. Oh, nice. So I watched the first half of it, and they were talking about how one of the reasons why people didn't want to put together a ska band is because you're looking at seven or eight people yeah. who you have to split payment between and jam into a van together. Oh, yeah, yeah so four pieces much more, much easier. Yeah. yeah. And then you look at the white stripes, they're laughing. Oh, there's just two of them. Or any other two-piece bands, Black Keys, whatever the fuck, I don't know. Um, yeah. Anywho. Uh, so libido left, blah, 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 blah. salad soldiering on, hit the road. Uh, at this time, they were taking, they were touring the Warp Tour. They were jumping on other bigger festivals around the country. Uh, but at this point, they cut ties uh, with the label and the management. Uh, I, I forget who the, I think it was Warner Music. I think was the kind of subsidiary that put out their first, or I guess their second and third. I can't fully remember. Uh, but they went truly independent, and in 2012, they put out music every day. The title track was the upbeat, catchy opener featuring the legendary Angela Moore of Fishbone. Good 
according to D, at some point they actually toured with Fishbone, and that's when they. Cool. Uh, that would be. Where were they when we saw them? I don't know. I, I wrote that. Really I wrote really that right. into my script. I said, I wrote, because uh, <laughs> I, I looked at, because I was thinking about it, because this, this album came out in December of 2012. We saw Fishbone yeah. in August. So I'm like, my mental math kind of says like, what if while they were recorded or while they were on tour, you know, they rolled into Toronto and just, he just laid down tracks for this song. Um, yeah. But uh, that could have been, but I'm sitting here thinking like, why didn't somebody have the salads on speed dial yeah. and been like, spooky Ruben's not working out. <laughs> <laughs> Get down here. Stack. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my God. That's, that's he, he honestly wasn't that bad. There was but, like but that one guy was screaming at him. <laughs> He was really a bald guy. He was really pissed. It was spooky. We can't yell, Janak! Janak! <laughs> I never... He was like, do you even like Fishbone? I never even went back and like listened to any of their actual on-record stuff. Because maybe they just were a terrible yeah. live band. I don't know. But um, anyway, here's some uh, around the music every day before we actually talk about the album. Uh, here's some gigs. So in 2011, they played with... The Sheepdogs and Public Enemy. Whoa! Uh, in twenty, they're more like they fit in with Public Enemy. Yeah, but the Sheep. Well, I guess because Sheepdogs because they're Canadian, yeah. so it would also make sense too. But the two of them together—that's crazy. Uh, they played on a. Uh, it's called this. Well, they played the Burlington Sound of Music, but uh, Devo. Um, let's see who else. Oh. Men without hats. Yeah, that'd work. That'd be cool. Men Without Hats. Okay, well, that makes sense. Uh, obviously, The Salads, The Creep Show. Uh, there's a bunch of bands I never actually heard awesome. of, but uh, I'm sure they're Canadian or whatever. But uh, they played uh, the Grand Stage Music and Arts Festival. This was back in 08. But they played with Matthew Good, Blue Rodeo, The Sadies, The Salads, and Grand Theft Bus. So there's just a few just uh, samples of this is what I'm talking about. When they play on very eclectic tours. Yeah. Um, a lot of festival gigs. Yeah. And... Yeah. Um, the this album also featured uh, David Wilcox, who is a Canadian. I saw that. It was that's a, pretty cool. They got him. I honestly like do the Bearcat. Ooh, uh, that's the name of this song. <laughs> is that do one of his biggest Bearcat. claims to fame? Yeah, do the Bearcat and Riverboat Fantasy. Okay, a rock and roll band with a reefer in my hand. <laughs> you know what's funny about David Wilcox? I because uh, Do the Bearcat is on the first Frosh compilation. Okay, so that was the first time I never heard of him. I thought he was black. Oh. He's the whitest looking motherfucker I've ever seen. <laughs> but he's just got that voice. So yeah, um, yeah. And uh, Brian Byrne from I Mother Earth was also on this album. And oh, cool! So he would have been the second singer, huh? Yep. And yeah, yeah, the guy did that. That guy was underrated. He had big shoes to fill. Oh, yeah, but he had some good. He had, he had some good songs. I haven't gone back and actually listened to it, but I was very unkind to "Summertime in the Void" when it first came out a year ago. "Summertime in the Void" was decent. That was their like hard rock and head banging tune. Hmm. But the song "All Awake" off of uh, "Blue Green Orange" yeah. is awesome and that's really what makes i mother earth so good for me is um the members of the band are 
big, they, they love Santana. Santana is one of their biggest influences. So they're always utilizing a lot of percussion instruments because of that. And that's got the congas and all kinds of cool percussion in it. And it's, it's a cool song. And the, the last guest vocalist they had on here on uh, last call parentheses, the alcohol song was uh, Ryan Long, stand-up comedian and former member of the Johnstones. I saw that! Yeah, that must have made you feel pretty good. See, it did. Is he's a guy you really like? It did, but when I actually heard his part, uh, it actually kind of uh. pissed me off because, like, it wasn't, like, the song, like, I've been gone for a long time where he actually kind of, like, sings. It's him almost trying to do his best, like, scatting because he's just like... It's like it's, it's like a really terrible Anthony Kiedis. Like honestly, <laughs> I will pause this right now, put it on your phone, and like fast forward to the last like forty seconds. I will cut this part right, out. You'll kind of laugh. Okay. Yeah, but I remember I didn't like the John Stones when I saw them live because I thought that they uh, they sounded too like pop punky. Yeah. Apparently, you know, and in this the Johnstones did a tour with Headley, like arena show with Headley back in the day. Well, that that makes sense because they're, but they have horns okay, and all go. this stuff. Yeah, still. All right, uh, here, last call the alcohol. Song. Yeah, fast forward to the last like thirty seconds. enjoy the song it's, 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 he's in the spirit of the song and the song is about drinking so clearly he's trying to bring some fun to it uh it almost sounds like he's trying to do an impression of mr d kind of yeah 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 um but so but yeah it's a little i don't know i don't hate it i don't hate it yeah I didn't hate it either. It just it was weird because uh, when I heard when I listened to some of the Johnstone stuff, I'm just like I kind of expected more of that, not this kind of like weird, kind of like yeah jazz kind of thing, like almost inaudible. Um, but I mean, maybe that's what he wanted to do. Maybe maybe yeah. they they asked him and just like do what you want, and this is what he wanted to do, or I don't know. Maybe that's just what came out. But, Could be. Now you said you didn't listen to too much of this. Like, did you listen to anything or? I knew music every day. Okay. Like the one with Angela. Okay. I heard that before. I liked it on Spotify. I think it's a great tune. Uh, he mentions it, Angela Moore, on his episode of Chris Demakis Makes a Podcast. Did he? Which I thought was cool. Because he's really proud of that song, that's, that's, Angela it's Moore. Yeah, he thinks it's, he, he thinks it's really. So he's talking about, he was telling some kind of story about, he's talking about a line in that song that meant a lot to him. That's why it's so important, man. That's why it is so important to have music. To have music be in, in, you know, in in the picture, any and everywhere, man. Music, music every day. I I released this song with the with the salads called Music Every Day. Make it good and turn it up, 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 it up,
salads. Is that another project? Salads, man. And they're from Canada, right? And so, and they were on the Warp Tour at one point. And so I recorded a song with those guys called Music Every Day. Okay. Yep. And so and I'm just singing about when I wake up in the morning with a song on my brain, uh, it relieves the pain. I, 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 I listen and I make music every day. When, I, when I'm sleeping, I dream it. When I wake up, I'm playing it and making it, writing lyrics to it and everything, man, because music is the answer, dude. Music is the solution to the world's problems, especially right. if you got the right kind of lyrics behind it. Or something like that. And Chris Demakis, is it Demakis? Because he calls it like Chris Demakes a podcast. Yeah, like Chris it, makes a podcast. Apparently it is just Chris Demakes. That's it. Chris yeah. Demakes. Okay, so Chris is like... Uh, uh, is that song off your new solo album? Because he has like some kind of solo album he's putting out there. He goes, nah, man, that was with the Salads. <laughs> and uh, Chris Demakes goes, are, are they a new band? And he goes, nah, man, they're from Canada. <laughs> I remember that because I, I was listening to that yeah. interview at the gym one day. And I'm just like, you mentioned the Salads. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've listened to this album a few times, and I really think it's a return to form. I think, good. I think if when you actually listen to this at the gym or something, I think you'll agree. It's, uh, I mean, Fold A to B is still their best because while there is a fun party time element, there's actually some maturity there with songs like, um, what is it uh, like? Oh, shit, what the hell is it? Now you're back. There you go. Did you get any of what I just said? None of it. Fuck. Okay. Um, <laughs> You'll hear me say a bunch of stuff. Where did you cut? Where did you lose me? Uh, you were going to give me examples of some songs. Oh, uh, so like when you go back to fold A to B, you know, feel your pain, time for change, forever in a day. Uh, there, or sorry, why it's got to be. There's a bit of maturity yeah. there, even though it's a younger record. Here, it is just pure fun. Pure unadulterated fun and silliness. Um, but, uh, like, I really loved uh, Lickety Split. Uh, I really loved um, Go to the Kitchen. And. Let our children, let our children play. Yeah, we're gonna go down by the bay. Another sunny Monday. Don't say goodbye. And you'll love the last song, Sunny Monday. That's the one that in the little intro video for the salads I made the other day on Instagram. That's the last song. Yeah. Uh, just, it's, okay. this, it's this nice little acoustic kind of like summertime. That would be a, a good mix to your little margs and whatever. Um, margs and babes. Yeah. And it's kind of like the best thing I could compare it to is like a counterpart to Down for Whatever by Il Scarlet. Oh, but it's cool. a little okay. more stripped down, more Jack Johnsony. It's literally just a bit of like light percussion and acoustic and bass. Very, very, very cool. Very summertime. Um, well, this is an album I'm definitely going to listen to. I just, I just, I, you know what? I couldn't keep putting you off with a good conscience. Um, <laughs> we had to record tonight. I couldn't keep putting. But you off. Basically, um, I think if if they had recorded this album as a follow up from Fold A to B, I think it would have been one of those things where it's like it might not have taken them to the next level. But I think I think there was enough fun material there. Plus, you know, having Ryan along from the Johnstones because I think they had cachet at that time. Uh, I mm. think it would have helped. 
uh, plus some of the other guys, I'm Mother Earth, David Wilcox, you know what I mean? So I think they could have used the momentum from fold A to B to catapult, but unfortunately they did the, you know, the trail ran the way it did. Are the salads still together? So from what I read, um, so here's what's been going on. Uh, Chuck okay. played in I Mother Earth, and he's uh, he. I with those guys. He's such a great bassist. Yeah. Uh, so actually, here's yeah. what I got. So here's uh, while the trail ran a little cold, uh, the salads at yeah. one point, or I think it was around 2011, they put out a Christmas album that was available online. Uh, okay. Chuck went to play with I Mother Earth, and during the pandemic, he got his real estate license and uh, sells real estate and just plays. Uh, I think he played on. Do you remember Amy Gaba, who's uh, yeah, she was on a bunch of those Mikey and his youth follow her on Instagram. Yeah, so uh, because she's a ska girl, and I don't know that that's the only reason why I followed her because <laughs> she's a ska person, a ska ska in Canada. So I try to follow. So that. she did like back in 2019. She did like a five song EP, and basically everyone but D was on that album. Uh, oh, cool. So, okay. Darren was on it and uh, everyone else. So he was on that. He was on a group called the mothers. Uh, and like, he's just kind of been a bit of a, I think he's done a bit of producing a bit of session work. He's kind of all yeah. over the map, but uh, he's still very much involved. Um, uh, D hosts a, he lives in Stratford. He still does graphic design. Um, he's married to two kids. He does. He actually hosts a little thing in Stratford where he play. he spins vinyl. He's a big advocate of vinyl. And uh, basically, he encourages people to bring albums, and he'll spin it. But it's like if there's an interesting artwork, or if there's something the person wants to talk about, he'll like chat with them. Yeah, and it's kind of very interactive. So there's something like more obscure. Yeah. Um, but if it's something, you should see this. You should see this episode. Uh, it was Bob's Burgers Christmas episode last year. That Bob finds this old record that his like hippie aunt gave him when he was a kid, and Gene falls in love with it. <laughs> And it becomes like something he listens to constantly. So he brings it to bed just to sleep with it. And uh, he rolls over it and breaks it. And it turns out it's insanely rare. And like the the oh, the family tries to recreate it for him and stuff like that. It's, it's a good episode. It reminds me of those like freak show record hunters that'll just try to get anything. Like Malcolm's Freddie Fender album <laughs> with the guy. He looked like he was humping a cactus. Um, you bought it just for that. And- <laughs> he plays, uh, D also plays in two other bands, uh, basically just a local Marley tribute band called Mob Barley and the Railers. And uh, okay. the Reverberists, now, I don't know if the Reverberists are the Huey Lewis band he's in or if that's a separate band, but he's also in a Huey Lewis cover band. Uh, that's literally, if I get him on the on the podcast, that is literally the first question I'm going to ask him because I love Huey Lewis. About the Huey Lewis <laughs> You know, we'll each take a part of a. If this is it, is the uh, acapella one, right? Uh, if this is it, no, that's uh, you're thinking of. Uh, it's all right. Have a good time. Good time. Oh, do that. That's the Drifters. Uh, they cover the Drifters. What we'll do is we'll see if you'll sing that with us. <laughs> it's all right. Have a good time. Cause it's all right. I could. I could be a bass man. There you go. I, I'd have to basically abandon. Unless he's the bass man, that'll have to be the high pitch man. That's all I got. It's all right. Have a good time. 
and hits out. We'll all be the high pitch man. There you go. Um. So so that's D. He's the he's doing fine. He's happy. Um. Uh, let's see. Grant, I believe, is still. He's the one I couldn't find too much on. Uh, I think he's still active in the music industry, but I think he's more behind the scenes. Uh, Dave Ziemba. So here's the, to answer your question, here's the missing link. So in the interview with Joel, Chuck said that when Grant, uh, sorry, not Grant, um, Chuck started doing music for this band, The Mothers, that's when Dave started to distance himself. And like, because before they were always checking in, Blah, blah, blah. Mm. They had a very good uh, thing. So then he started to kind of slip away for a bit. Now, I don't know if there's any animosity. Like maybe he wasn't invited to play, play on this album. I don't fully know. Uh, if I ever get to ch- chat, or if we ever get to chat with Chuck, um, I'm going to ask him. But uh, the, from what I could find, creeping his Instagram, uh, Dave, he lived in Florida for a bit. Uh, he has, he's in Thornbury, I think, like in the, like, it's out in the country. He's got like a whole... Yeah, I, I, that area is uh, he's, he's got a home studio he's building. He's still very active. Uh, he's doing a lot of guitar stuff online. Uh, so I assume he's probably doing more session work here and there. Maybe still teaching. Um, but, I mean, he's doing a lot of guitar videos on his Instagram. So he seems like he's doing just fine. So the sounds right. are... And, from the interviews that I did here and the beast bits of information, like Chuck and D still talk. Uh, they all still chat with Darren. Oh yeah. Darren's out and back in LA doing his thing. I think he manages bands and he's not in Goldfinger anymore. No. Though, is he? And um, I think he's more yeah. in like A and R and like talent stuff. And I think he, he has a okay. podcast. Darren he used to, he used to do it with a buddy, but I think he had a falling out. So I think it's just Darren. Um, we all know what that's like. Happens. Um, you don't mean getting the, okay, it's not like you, know, you don't mean getting the fights all the fucking time. In fact, we might be going through it since our last big fight. This might be the longest string between big fights, especially <laughs> when we record. You know, you haven't taken your headphones off and chucked them across the room in quite a long not time. Not you, but I was working earlier today and I did that. Yeah. <laughs> Because this old this guy was literally trying to send in money yeah. to the government, and I'm trying to give him the address, and he's like, "I'm 83. I can't hear you." And I'm like, "Whoa, bro!" <laughs> like, so spazzy. <laughs> oh god, that's um, fine. But oh. Yeah, so that's kind of what's going on with the salad. So I think Dave Ziemba is the kind of like linchpin to a reunion. But um, right now, uh, D said his, and the reason I've been saying D the whole time, like we're old buddies, because it's easier than saying Darren or Mr. D. It's just D. It's just easier. But uh, uh, D said what he's been trying to do is kind of keep the legacy of the salads alive. So, like, he's, like, do you remember a couple of months ago, I texted you, all the albums by the Salads are on Spotify, except the big picture. And then randomly yeah. it popped on. That was D. Because I guess there yeah. was, like, red tape between the labels and stuff that they had to sort out before they can release it on Spotify. So that's the type of... Well, then he better, he better get on that Christmas album and get that on Spotify. Because <laughs> we want to hear that by next Christmas. Um, so that's kind of what he's doing in terms of the salads. And, you know, I think him and Chuck run the Instagram page and... Um, 
trying to be social with the fans. It's your DMs. Uh, but I think he's <laughs> talked about maybe trying to put some of their stuff out on vinyl because he's such a vinyl advocate. I don't fully know, but uh, yeah. that's kind of where he's at in terms of the salads. He's always open to a reunion, but and Chuck said he's open to it, but he, it's one of those things. He's like, I'm not doing it without everyone. So uh, yeah. if Dave's not in it, he's not in it. So that's kind of where he's at. Okay. So. And would by everyone would did that include libido? Uh, I mean, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, he's. I guess it seems like they're on good terms. So as long as he's free, I'm sure he'd get the invite. Uh, and like, all even, right, good. Even this is how much D wants everyone. Literally, like he wants Grant and Pfeiffer to switch songs. Like sometimes he wants them both to play. That's how. They have two two kids up there, or they can do what the uh, what's it called? That's what the Isotopes baseball team does. Um, the yeah, Isotopes yeah. band, they have a, like a bench. Oh, that's right. So they'll make a, they'll do a, they'll do like a pinch yeah. hitter in the middle of the show, and someone sits out, and the other person comes out the bench and <laughs> pinch hits. So yeah, there we go. There's the salads. Well, I really hope the salads get back together, and I'm looking forward to letting uh, listening to music every day. Uh, I do feel bad that I did not get that one in because the big picture left a bad taste. You are right. Now I'm happy I listened to them out of order because I listened to that one first, and I listened to then fold A, fold B, uh, fold A to B, and then I listened to um, what's called today. Meanwhile, and Meanwhile was very cool. That's a very good album. So I'm in very good a good spot with the the, the salads, and I hope that they uh, reunite so- one day. Do you think my kind of what I said is the reason why they didn't get the have the staying power or the echelon because they did the album for themselves? Yes, I think had the salads put out a big radio single. Didn't even have to be the whole album. The rest of the album can sounds like what they put what they put out there. Had there been a single though, light get loose, like something big that you could play in commercials that was marketable that can get people hype and excited. Yeah, because I remember when the big picture came out. There was no promotion for it whatsoever. There might have been a song that played on the edge, but because that album is so blah, it just bled into the rest of the, the tapestry, if you will. I think if they had a song on that album that I just had a 13th song that sounded quintessentially like the salads that could get people excited and happy, then the uh, then that would album would have sold a lot better. Yeah. Because the thing yeah. is, I think at that time, you got to remember the music landscape, right? Ska was not in vogue by 2005 or six. Um, I mean, but three was still cranking out albums that were selling. Like they didn't have to do a straight up Ska no, album. I know that. I'm just saying that uh, like, okay. when you look at the, so it's what's they, you kind of go back and say musically, what is in vogue, right? You look at bands like Jimmy yeah. World, uh, Pop Punk, a lot of the, you know, the not Yellow Card, but um, Alkaline Trio, uh, you know, Blanks, yeah. kind of, quote, I use this very loosely, but darker stuff, because um, there's still a bunch of dinks, but, uh, yeah, you know, bands like that. You know, My Chemical Romance was really blowing up at that time. Um God, it's been so long, I can't remember what was popular. But you know what else was blowing up at that time? Was Andrew freaking WK. That's true. But it was 
Yeah. And they could have easily just taken a page out of his book. They could have just ripped them off. You know? Like, like, there is always going to be room, whether it's critically acclaimed or not, for happy right. music. Regardless if it's ska, which we love, or bubblegum pop, there's always going to be that, you know, window. Like, that's one of the biggest issues with the music scene right now, popular music, is that everything's so mid-tempo and boring. Like, every summer, people wait for the next Uptown Funk. <laughs> And every summer, everyone is left incredibly disappointed unless Bruno Mars releases an album, basically. <laughs> so, you know, but people want that. They want that happy song to get them through their day. And, you know, the salads are purveyors of good times. And I think if they just had a happy song in the big picture, it would have worked out. But, you know, like they always close the the episode of uh, the show In Defense of Ska with ska more than now, ska now more than ever, and I agree with that statement. Salads now more than ever. We need you. Come back. There you go. There you go. For them. That's a tight one forty-five. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the next bed we're doing? Yeah, Is it Bedwin? I'm, uh, almost done Bedwin. I've moved on to Light the Horizon, so I'm like literally halfway there in the script. So by the All time right. I know. Sounding a mosaic very well. I just listened to the new album, so I got to go back and do some work. To quote uh, the great Ron McDonald, one of the underrated actors of our time, get on it. Get on <laughs> no it. No one else is going to get and, that. Uh, no, no one's going to get that at all. But this is an actor Brian worked with on a student film, and uh, he would take naps, wouldn't remember his lines. He was a nice guy. Uh, but just not a <laughs> not as professional, maybe as I know. was. I had walked in from we were filming around this. Uh, this whole thing revolves around a grave scene, and I, I walk into the house where people are kind of like it's a staging area, it's a warm up spot, and I'm like, I'm looking at yeah. Ron, who's our lead actor, who has a lot of lines at this time. I look at him; he's taking a nap, and I look at uh, another guy uh, who had. Martin Doyle, who's been on stuff, and he's like studying his lines. And I think he has like one thing, if even that. He might not have even had any lines that day. He's reading over the script, and because that's how he got work on TV. That's why when we sat down in your living room for that read through, I was like, "Holy shit, I know who you are!" And I listed off a bunch of commercials that he had done. That's why Martin Doyle got work, and I'd never seen Ron McDonald before. <laughs> That's the difference. Uh, oh, yeah, that's why. He he had, like, one scene where he got hit with a shovel. That's what it was. Um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, next time, Bedouin. You got it. Well, that does this edition of Canada FM. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed listening to the salads. Salads. Wow, I'm tired. Until next time. I'm Ted. I'm Brian. Take a sleazy. Yeah, and go fuck yourself, Dan Cohen. <laughs> one, two, one, two. Mind check, one, two, one, two. Yeah.